Who gave me permission to do this? <laughs> oh my god. Sometimes we're gonna laugh and sometimes we're gonna cry. That's just the way it goes. If you're ready to change the narrative, shift your consciousness, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Jackie Minsky Show. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jackie Minsky Show. If you are new, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're with me for a while, thank you so much for coming back. Now this episode may be a little bit different. It's a little less woo-woo than usual, but it's very important. And the reason is because I am a conscious publicist. So many of you may know I am in PR, marketing and communications, and I have the amazing title of the conscious publicist. The reason why I chose that nickname for myself is after working with so many people in the industry, I realized that for me personally, with everything going on in media, everything going on in how the world operates these days, I still like very few left in the industry. There's very few of us, but luckily we do still exist. We operate from the heart. We build genuine relationships. And that is so important in the long run with media. Okay, and I'm going to tell you why. And if you've listened to a previous episode with JJ, JJ and I touched on this also. There are people left in the industry who really care about establishing relationships. And you're going to hear Eric talk about it on today's show. Even if you have 10 journalists that you can constantly pitch to because you have relationships with or a booking agent that you can pick up the phone and call, that's because you have built a relationship with them. Building relationships in public relations is super important, super, super important, right? Because then when your clients have something as you're working on campaigns, you can prepare the journalist ahead of time. Hey, I'm doing so-and-so with this client. I would love in the next month or two to prepare, you know, help you with maybe a story you're putting out. And, And you also have to know as a publicist, the type of content the journalists write. You have to study what they write. You have to know the journalist. You have to choose. You know, I have a list of my favorite writers and not only my favorite writers, the industry and what they're writing about. Some write about music. I'm not going to pitch. I'm not going to pitch business to someone who writes about music or music and movie reviews, right? So, Very important to know the journalist style of writing so when you get a client, you know which journalist to connect who to, okay? Super, super important. And once again, I would like to thank Eric for coming on the show. Eric has become such a dear friend. He is truly an amazing, amazing person and it was an honor to sit down with him. Super funny, amazing guy, adore him. And I want to give a quick shout out to his amazing wife who also just started her own podcast. So guys, if you could go over there, subscribe, leave her a review for me. They're my dear friends. It Her podcast is It's the Fab with Lucy Mitchell. So amazing, 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 super, super. I know you're going to really adore her show as well. So with that being said, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. And as always, I love you. 
have nationally recognized sports analysts, TV personality with regular features such on NBC, Fox News, BBC News, News Nation, Rolling Stones, and he's also the founder of media relations at Life Flip Media. Eric Mitchell, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And I know we connected because we're both in the media world. And before we get into media and all the juiciness, I want to take it back because I, I don't know if many people know this, but you got your start in tech. So take me back to how you went from tech into media. <laughs> oh, I love that question. Uh, yep, that's true. I have been acquired not once, not twice, but three times in the Silicon Valley. So when I got out of the Marine Corps, I spent uh, beginning of my 20s and, uh, of course, my late teens in the United States Marine Corps, got out and was looking for a job. So I took a job basically doing pre-sales for a tech company that was brand new. They had like 50 employees and they were like, we just need you to set appointments for all of our salespeople. And I thought that was great. And then we started growing like within like six months. So within six months, we had an opening on the social media team. God, this was so, so long ago, because this is like early Twitter, early Facebook, but social was getting pretty big. So I decided to jump in on it. And as that role proceeded, it became, hey, we need somebody to reach out to the media. I said, well, I'll do it because, of course, I was in the military. So we're not afraid to volunteer just about to do anything. And I was looking to keep my job because I was paid handsomely and they fed me. So those were important things because I was a single dad at the time and somebody who provided me food and free lunch. I was like, this is great. And they gave me coffee, which I can live off of <laughs> for most of the day. So I, I started doing that and got into media that way. This is... Uh, early 2000s and jumped in to started making media contacts. And of course, this is the Silicon Valley. So literally my trick was, is I would go to coffee houses in Palo Alto and sit down and meet with some of these up and comers. And it's funny, a lot of the folks I used to meet with, they're now VPs at companies, but they were just junior, you know, beginning, you know, journalists and up and comers at CNBC and Bloomberg. And we'd sit down and just kind of talk about what we see. Cause I was in software as a service or SaaS, as a lot of people know it. So this was the early days where the wild, where everything now is the wild, wild west. This was back in the day when people would call into our startup and say that they were the next, not an Uber, but they were the next, you know, <laughs> or the next Yelp or the next, uh, oh my goodness, Groove Shark. If anybody remembers Groove Shark, if you want to go back to before Spotify, this is like when Pandora was the king of the castle. People are like, we're the next Pandora. And you're like, no, you're not like this is when it was a big deal to go to like Yelp and like close Yelp as a client. So that's where I got my start and started making those meetings and growing our brand. And I took a we were head to head. The company I worked for was EchoSign and EchoSign was acquired by Adobe for a whole lot of money. And our direct competitor. Well, there's a lot of people in the electronic signature space, but only one we cared about, which was, of course, DocuSign. And we were in the media more than them. And we got acquired first by a gigantic company. So it was fun to be in the news all the time and do those meetings and prepare. Like I went from like having no idea what I was doing to literally preparing my CEO to do calls with the Wall Street Journal. And I would set up those meetings and sit there and make sure it was all done and we'd craft talking points. So it was a real like on the job training as we went to get into it. And then it kind of bled into 
everything else I did, but that's where I got my start was tech. And that was kind of wearing many, many hats, which we're all probably familiar with. If you're in entrepreneurship at all, or do anything in the world of work, you have to wear a lot of hats and you get used to wearing a lot of hats. Startup world taught me that, which was great coming from the military into startup world. It just made it a lot of fun to be able to go. I kind of got to put my hands on everything and it was cool being in the heart of it in the Silicon Valley, you know, getting to go to, you know, every little place and run into people who are now really big deals. But remembering watching Mark Zuckerberg walk down the street when he wasn't the billionaire he is today, he was just a dude in his twenties wearing a hoodie and flip-flops walking down the street. So, Which he still does. He's so humble, which I love, but you know, you're doing really great in the media space. So for anyone listening, who's starting out in media, you know, what is something you would tell someone who wants to get into the media public relations industry? Like, what would you say to someone who's just at the beginning from knowing everything that you know now? I would say study it like it and have set real expectations. It's not going to happen overnight, which a lot of us know, but set real expectations and study, study like you've never studied before. Watch you know, try to go and be able to, I know it's cliche to say, pick the brain of somebody, but find a publicist, find somebody who does media booking and just pick their brain. How are you doing it? What's the best way to do it? And get involved that way, because that's how you truly learn in this industry. It's not all these people who have masterminds and stuff who haven't touched media in 800 years. It's people who are doing it every day in and out. There are some amazing folks out there. I'm not including myself in that, But there's a lot of folks out there that do an amazing job getting the job done and study and get to learn those people. But set the expert, set the bar really low because it's this isn't an easy industry. There's a whole lot of no's and just build relationships. That's what if I could do it all over again, that's the one thing I would have worked on a little bit more from the start because I started later as we launched LifeFlip Media was building those relationships that we now have that make our business what I think is amazing and our team amazing. But the fact that building those relationships early, start those relationships, make friends with journalists and actually get to know them and know their stories and be be that person that they'll text with questions or you can have that. And don't make it about work. Like if you have a relationship with a journalist, have fun with them. Like I know most of the folks that I associate with, I know their dogs, their fiancés, their husbands, their wives, I know when they travel, I know when they don't, and we can have friendly back and forth banter via text that has absolutely nothing to do with a, can I put my client or myself on TV? Mm. You know, that was my next question. Do booking agents, you know, cause if, if you pick up the phone or if you contact them, do booking agents love the publicist who's very like aggressive and trying to get the client on or or do they prefer someone who organically builds that over time i would say well personally myself is i'm not a car salesperson so i don't believe in that aggressive old school style the way you know smoking cigarettes in offices and sexual harassment that's not my cup of tea i believe that you need to build that relationship it's it's taking what I learned in the Silicon Valley, building that relationship. And so I forget who it was. Jeez, it'd probably kill me if they'll hear this and be like, he said it and didn't quote me. But somebody told me to always have a common thread, right? It's like putting it in your pocket. 
And I build relationships that way. How do I, how can I serve the person that I want to help? Because I don't want them to help me. I want to be able to help them too, because I believe you get more if you serve each other instead of just demanding from somebody, hey, I want you to help me. Because they get that time and time again. So what I found is building a relationship and having those common, and so they get to know you because they, just like you do with a friend, you kind of have your guard down because you kind of enjoy it. And then you're like, hey, hey, I have this spot. And they when they have an opening and they have a fill, you're the first person they call. And that's great because that's where we're at now. But that took years to build. But I, I don't regret it at all today from doing that because I built those common bonds. And know what? It's great to be able to travel to New York, Washington, D.C., Chicago, Dallas, L.A., and go to dinner with people in the media. And you just talk about life but you still get to go to dinner with them. And it just shows how far you've come. You've come from a text message or an email to your have, you're breaking bread at a table with each other. And that means everything. And then they remember you because they do know what you do for a living. They're like, hey, you're, they know we book people on TV. That's what they know we do really well. So they're like, yo, we need this person. I mean, that just happened like an hour ago on my team. So it's, that's how fast it happens. And it happens every day. And we love every minute of it. You know, that's that's super important. So anyone listening, whether you're new to PR, a publicist, you know, pay attention to your pitches. You know, on Muckrack, they have this section where it's like the worst pitches of the year. I don't know how often <laughs> that comes up on Muckrack, but it's so funny to see them because sometimes people are just cold pitching journalists without doing the research. And I think it's super important to do your research as you, you know, you, you've mentioned, do your research and put something personal in the first few sentences that says, hey, I've done my research, right? I know about you. And it's also interesting to me because a lot of the times, you know, recently I connected with, I'm not going to say who, I'll tell you offline, um, with a celebrity on LinkedIn. And when I messaged him, I said, you know, I know we have this mutual person in common. And then he messaged me back and said, okay, what were you thinking? In that moment, I had two options, either ask for what I need or just support and give. And all I said was, I'm not asking for anything. You know, I said, I'm just, I just want to support you and and build a genuine relationship. He approved me on LinkedIn five minutes after I said that. And I think it's so true. I think the old way of doing media, you know, that aggressiveness, that, you know, bulldozer mentality is is different now because the press world has changed. We can spot someone who wants fame just for fame. Like you and I, we, we giggle about it offline, but it's true. Like a lot of people, even in the NFT space, you know, they're just doing it for the fame, whereas there are people in the world who you and I work with who are actual thought leaders and, and actual entrepreneurs who we have, to, our job is to put them into, into the eyes of millions for the right reasons. So what do you like to see? Because I know I mentioned that it's important to personalize pitches, but what are some of the most memorable pitches or pitches that you think are important for someone when they do pitches? I think that, and, and my team knows this, and everybody who works for us knows, goes through this. I believe that your pitches should look like tweets. That's how easy and simple they should be. Short, sweet, and to the point. You're not writing a preamble to the Constitution. Nobody wants the first, the first chapter of your book. They're not looking for that. These folks get 1,000, 2,000 emails a day. Uh, when there's breaking news, there's even more. 
And before pre-COVID, it was easy to run the funnel because Zoom calls were something that we did for meetings, not for TV. Now they're everything. So now your competition is more. Everybody wants to be on TV. So when you write something short, sweet, and to the point, I say use video. If you've been on, if you've done any media, put it in a video, put it somewhere, grab a podcast. If you're a podcast guest or a podcast host, send who you've interviewed because it shows A, how you perform on TV and B, that you know how to speak on camera and you look at the camera. You're not doing all the things that they look for, that you have a presence. And then make sure you're using social media because that's where they're going to go find you. They're not going to go look anywhere else. They're not going to Google you. I know in in the old world, they're, oh, they'll Google me. No, they won't. They're not going to spend that much time. They're going to read your pitch and how does it tie in? And everything comes down to that subject line. And that's the biggest thing I see people missing is because they'll put like, Eric Mitchell would be would be an outstanding guest on this segment. No, they don't care about that. They don't need you doing their job. That's not their job. They're like, of course, everybody thinks they belong on Good Morning America or the Today Show or, of course, Joe Rogan's show. Everybody wants to go on those, right? Joe Rogan. I, ha- I have a great guest for the show. No, you don't. You don't know what they're looking for. These are They strategize this stuff, and, and people don't get that. Everybody wants to do the infomercial. And that always is my pet peeve. It's like, this isn't an infomercial. These producers work really hard to put really quality, real quality TV on because they are looking for those awards. This is how they get promotions. This is how they grow. I'm connected with some folks that I've watched go from junior bookers to executive producers of some of the biggest shows that we have on TV that we book with and and watching them grow and making sure I gave them good segments to good people, to the fact that they pass me down to their new bookers they bring on mm. and they're calling our team going, hey, how do we get this person? I know it's last second, but I think that's where, that's the difference in, in knowing what you're doing. And when you're pitching, act like you care about your pitch. I think that's, it, it comes through. Your vibe is everything because people can see you again everywhere and you should pitch the same way that you behave out in kind of public. Like, this is my people. Hey, I got this person. You know, ours are really simple. This is who we're working with. We usually grab a tailing story. We work in breaking news. So breaking news within, of course, the national, international news cycle, anything in crypto, anything in sports, in the business world. If we see it, we grab it and send it out and we make sure it's topical. And then we grab a major tier one publication to share the link. Because if they've already been on, okay, we cheat. So I'm going to break this down real fast for everybody. This is, this is, this is this is Eric School 101. So what I use is I built a small GIF of just the client, right? It's really easy. We have a GIF of a couple of their appearances. We drop that into the bottom of our email. So it's automatically, boop, you see them. They're on TV. Then we put an article that relates to what we're talking about. Short little link. They can click on it go, oh, this is trending CNBC, Bloomberg, something big. Not Don't put like, I wrote this Medium article and this is trending. No, it's not. It's not on Bloomberg or CNBC or Fox Biz or somebody in the biz world, you're probably going to get missed. And if it's not on ESPN or Athletic or any of the big sports sites, you're not going to get there. And if it's not on Coindesk or Cointelegraph, it's probably not big in the crypto world. So don't just go run and just go, I wrote this article. It's trending. No, it's not. Your self-published article does not mean it's trending. So put something big in there and put them on there. So they'll see the GIF, which is cool because it's video Mm -hmm. and it catches their eye. And two, they see an article and they're like, wow. And boom, and send it out real short. Here's the person. Here's the article. 
and then let them do, they'll ask the questions. We'll tell us more about this person because that's what you want. Once they're interested, then they'll go, okay, give us his bio and a headshot or here. And you'll just go, here's the person, boom. But once they see the person on TV, they're like, hey, can you send me the full video? And we do that. We keep all of our stuff on a YouTube channel and in a Vimeo account. So every client who goes on TV, we have their video of their last hit and we send it over. So if it's a new network, new new producer, all of us know producers, editors, and writers change like the wind with the way that the world happens to be. TV's the worst because you can be a producer one week at ABC and the next week you're at Cheddar. It's just the way that this wonderful game is played. So just play it and get comfortable with being able to go, here's our people and go. So those are the easy tips. Make it fun, make it flash, make it different. Don't make it long. Don't make it boring. And again, do not write essays. I want to ask you something. And I love that. Thank you for that. That's I'm going to, I'm going to make sure to definitely, that is the going to be the promotional clip for this podcast. Thank you for that. <laughs> we already, we already found it right there with you. Um, my question is, cause you know, I've been doing a lot of pitching myself, but you know, I've learned that even if, and I want to hear your opinion, even if a journalist says no, they still responded. That's still building a relationship versus silence. Would you agree? Oh, 100 million percent. I would say absolutely. I tell you, I get more excited with a no email with a response than I do with zero. Because I love it when they're like, hey, Eric, or hey, anybody on our team, I see all the emails they get sent to me when we get no rejections because we kind of giggle at some of them. But I still get, I'll get told no from some of my closest friends that I hang out with and I text every day. They're like, hey, this isn't going to work. Cool. Or their EP or their booking producer will be like, yeah, this isn't going to work. This isn't what we're looking for. Okay, cool. Why? They read it. They opened it. They gave it consideration. And it just wasn't a fit. Okay. I'd rather know that than crickets. So to me, that's a victory when they open it, they read it, and they respond. Whether it's yes or no, at least you know. At least it's not just throwing it off into the wind and going, did they even read it? Now, I cheat, and I know if they open my emails or not because I check <laughs> all my emails. But, e- but even I put links in all my emails so I know if they're clicking around. And I know who's a clicker and who's who's not. And I get it. The bigger the desk that you're sending it to, obviously, it depends. If you're saying, I'll pick on I'll pick on MSNBC right now just because I love them. MSNBC is big. They're one of the biggest. It's like CNN or Fox, Fox News. If you send to one of the big three, if they open your email and they click around on it, and even if they don't respond, that's a good thing because that means they at least took the time to go, okay, cool. That means they might, they'll put you in a different pile than I'm not even opening this email. At least my subject line was catchy enough that they opened it. It was good enough that they spent enough time on it, that they clicked the link that I buried in it on purpose. And whether they not, it usually comes back. It's like fishing, right? And, and I know this is a weird example. And I don't know how many people ever watch the TV show Deadliest Catch. This is as much as I know about fishing when it comes to crabbing. It's because I watched Deadliest Catch. But they, they call soaking the pots. This is where I came up with this concept. They throw these big old things in that they catch crab and lobster. Crab. I don't know. Somebody's going to be like, he, he missed crab. <laughs> crab. Alaskan king crab, right? Yeah. They throw these things in the water and then they come back and get them a couple like days or weeks later and they get all these crabs, which is pretty cool. Like, cause they go make a ton of money on this stuff. Well, same thing with this. It may not benefit today with the story you're looking today, but you never know two weeks later, three weeks later, four weeks later, all of a sudden out of the blue, 
hey, is blah, 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 somebody you pitched like four weeks ago, is blah, blah, blah available for this? Sure. Perfect. Yeah. Because they remember you and they do it. So don't give up. You may not get it, but work on it. And go back to what you're saying. Absolutely. If they open it and they respond no, oh, that's like a victory. That's almost as good as a yes. And, 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 you know, it's true because if you get a no, then your subject line, you know, like we've mentioned, was catchy enough to grab their attention and get them. But if you didn't get a no, this is the biggest problem I see or I, you know, and, and because I'm, you know, my team is building and I'm teaching publicists, you know, that I work with the same thing. The follow up is everything, you know. There's, you know, there's platforms like Monday, you know, like I personally use Monday. So on Monday, I'll write which publication I pitched, who was the journalist, how many emails, when did the first email go out, and then did I do the follow up, right? And this is the number one thing I'm noticing a lot of people in PR these days don't aren't organized enough to even know when they sent their last email out and there's no follow up. The follow up alone can build a good reputation because now you look like an organized person who knows, Hey, I emailed you a week ago. I didn't hear from you. I would like to know, do you need any more information? Or I always say, or can I have some feedback? Simple, right? I love that. You know, Jackie, I'll piggyback on that and I'll give a, a cool kind of example to that. So in the last six months, we've really transitioned from me being, I'll be sporty now, on the field to more of a coach on the field. I have a team of bookers. They're simply amazing. Uh, I'm doing less and less of it and more coaching. And I'm doing more, obviously, I'm a sports analyst. So I'm on TV a lot talking about things going on in the sports world and clients that I directly help with their brand. But I've been coaching more on my own team, not anybody else, just like my own team. And it's been fun to watch. So the true story, we hired somebody. They started 60 days ago now. Wow. We're already into March. Wow. But they started 60 days ago uh, and they came on and they had an experience being in the publicist side of the world. But I gave them my Rolodex. I said, here's all my contacts. Go. However you do it. I want to see how you do it. This is how we do it. It's pitch, follow up, pitch, follow up, pitch, follow up. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was noticing that one booker was having a lot of success with a producer from a, a network. And another one is one of my good contacts who will answer my text in a heartbeat, had just blatantly just opened the emails, sent, th- said, thank you. I'll can, you know, just said thank you, which is normal for this person. So I sent him a text. I was like, do you just not like us anymore? Just kind of being me. I'm always snarky with him. I'm like, hey, dude, you, are you just... Are, are, do you not like us? I'm like, cause we're putting these same people on all over. And he's like, I said, what can we do to serve you? It was my kind of follow-up. And he's like, your team's killing it with follow-up. He's like, but we're covering and they're covering of course, what's the biggest story in the world right now. That's the priority from his boss. So that's what they're focused on. Not what we happen to be pitching in that category, but it was the banter. What made me feel good was, Oh, their follow-up's amazing. And even hearing from somebody who, I appear on their show all the time to hear from that person who sees the emails. He's like, the follow-up is amazing with each one of your team. When they send somebody, the follow-up's amazing because you're not, you may not get a yes, or they may not see it. If you pitch on a Monday, which a lot of us do, you may not get that answer on Monday. You may not get it on Tuesday, but if you follow up consistently, they'll remember you go, Oh, cool. Let's do it next week. Let's get somebody. And that's, 
it builds up and it starts ramping up because you're always in a constant state of either follow-up or pitching Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday is what I always tell people to do. Fridays, you might as well just go talk to the wall because you'll probably get better. <laughs> unless it's breaking news, unless you're handling something that's yeah. dealing with anything else, stop pitching on Fridays. If you're brand new at this, take the day, do admin work. Because I'm telling you, you have a better sense of turning around and talking to the wall behind me. It might answer you before anybody, because they're all gone. It's like, if you're talking to a morning show on a Friday, deuces by 11. They're like, we're done. We're going home because we got to come back and rinse and repeat and do this early Monday morning. They want to go home. And remember that you are working from your home or your office. Mm. They're working in downtown, probably New York City. And they want to get out of there to go back to their home and enjoy their life. That's not related to this crazy world called media. So it, it's just, yeah, it's just funny how people are, but that's my story. I thought it was great because it does tie into how I love hearing consistent follow-up because that's something I prided myself into. And you can actually automate that. A lot of that can be automated to remind you, we use a CRM and it reminds us, it sets a task and we make sure that we follow up. Or if it's just like, if we get a no on a Monday, we're like, cool. We'll move that to the back. We don't need to follow up on that and can move on. And then we'll just send usually the follow-up to somebody who says, no, hey, how can we serve you this week? Are you looking for a guest? And we have a library of people because our team breaks down each one of our clients. So they all kind of have their own clients that they carry. And that way we can go, okay, who do we have there? And then they'll send it to me and I'll fire out, go, ooh, this person will be perfect for this story. I did that this morning uh, because there was breaking news over cryptocurrency that I wanted to get out. And I had like three people in mind. So mm. I sent it out to my two peeps. We're like, here, go run, make a pitch. So that's what we did. You know, I love that you said that. And I want to ask this, you know, how I structure it is I usually pitch Tuesdays and Thursdays. I feel like Tuesdays and Thursdays are effective because I feel like Mondays, can you imagine how many pitches are coming <laughs> in on a Monday? <laughs> so I try to actually avoid Monday, but do you feel there's, a specific day that you've seen work for you? Like for me, it's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, I know you said Monday. Sh should I be pitching? Monday is not Monday. 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 Okay. Here, here's the clarification. Now I know a bunch of you are watching it. So you're going to go do this. So make sure you don't take the time I say, and I know people will, so it's okay. Uh, <laughs> but if you're pitching, we send out our first emails go out at about 3 PM Eastern standard time on Sunday to our favorite, our, we have a trusted block of folks who we know open our emails, mm. respond to our emails and book our clients every week. We send to them. And then we have another one that goes out early Monday morning to kind of the, <laughs> we always call it that we have a long shot list and they're good. They know who we are. So if they're watching, cause they're gonna, <laughs> we love you, but we call you the long shot list. Cause you sit at a very big network and your shows are like the top rated. So we fire off to you. Fingers crossed. I know that you get 20 million emails. Yes, you consider and they always respond, but then we send our long shots off early on the morning. So about 3.30 a.m., we send off an early morning Monday email. Now, those are the only Monday emails that will ever go out unless there is breaking news that fits somebody else or there's follow-up. Our main sweet spot is Tuesdays and Wednesdays, follow-up on Thursdays, Fridays are, unless you have a reason, don't bug these folks. Let them go because those are our big days. Tuesday and Wednesdays are our sweet spots and Thursdays because because we usually have to follow up from Monday. So Tuesday is a follow-up day. Wednesday is a new blast day. 
and Thursday is they all end up in between. So you could kind of, but do a little bit on Monday. You never know. Don't not do it on Monday. Just make sure it's worth the shot. Don't take a shot just to do it. Monday is not a day to push your push a new book, push anything that's not, but know what's going on in the news. Read your audience, right? I tell that to people all the time. Read the crowd. If there's breaking news like there has been the past three Mondays, unless your story ties into what's happening, don't send it because they're not responding. I could tell you today, we're still going through, we're on, it feels like it's been going on for a lot longer than it has, but I can tell you the news cycle is still very heavy. Mm. It's still only on one story. We're building stories around what's going on in the world right now because of it. And people are still, I mean, I just talked to a producer for two stories, Jackie. Somebody told me two hours ago, somebody just sent me a, a pitch about spring and their feet and what sandals you should be wearing. And, and why their business would be good because we need to start thinking about that because we're going to have our feet out. And I'm like, that's probably not the right. Per-. And it was to like a very big national breaking news network. Yeah, and I'm like, I want to I talk about that because, you know, I've put pitching on on pause since everything's going on just yeah. right now because, you know, and, and, and I personally dislike, you know, I've seen on Muckrack. I hope this email serves you well. In the middle of what's going on right now, no email is serving anybody well. So, and I want to I wanna talk about that, right? Because for publicists who are just starting, I get it, you're cold pitching. But there's a human on the other end of that email who is very much in the media, who has an awareness of what's going on in the world. Like Travis Scott, I know you and I were talking during the Travis Scott times. We were like, we can't get a pitch in right now. And even right now with everything that's going on, you know, unfortunately in Ukraine, we can't right now pitch sandals. <laughs> you know, no, <laughs> you, again, it goes back to reading the room. I, I say this to people all the time. It, it doesn't make sense to not read the room. You, And it amazes me the amount of publicists that are out of touch. And I'm sorry if this offends anybody. There's amazes amazes me as a publicist how many people are out of touch of what's going on in the world in the news cycle. Uh, when I was a publicist, publicist, now we're just media bookers, but when we were doing, when I was thinking in that realm, I still read the same eight newspapers, still got the news alerts, still did it. TweetDeck has saved my life because I have the news down there. I have kind of every kind of news outlet and I kind of see what's going on in the world from TMZ to CNN. I want to know what's going on. I do care. I mean, I don't personally care, but I don't care what goes on with Kim Kardashian. But I know that could be something for a client, just like something going on in Ukraine could be something for another one of our clients or something in crypto with the Biden administration wanting to put some regulation on crypto. Those things matter to me. And when I get on the phone with a publicist who's like, hey, can you help us get so-and-so booked? And I'm like, well, I don't think that's going to work right now. You, you, we might need to move this book tour. Now, most are great. There's some big folks that were supposed to launch a tour just two weeks ago, and they moved it because they saw the news cycle. They actually listened to my advice and were like, you're right. And sure enough, <laughs> like literally three days after we had a meeting, unfortunately, Vladimir Putin decided things were his that aren't. And you know he decided to go do his own thing. But I was right. And I was thanked instead of trying to send somebody to go on a media campaign and literally watch it die in New York City because they would have been bumped from literally everything that they were going to do. So it comes back around, read the room and pay attention as much as, oh, I don't want to know. I want to live in sunshine and butterflies. 
you work in the media, that's a cute thing to want to do, but unfortunately it doesn't happen. You, you have to know what's going on so you can pitch correctly and understand this producer isn't just wanting to look at your flip-flop. They're talking from everything from Taylor Swift to, you know, what's going on in Florida with Disney, right? These are, it's a broad parameter and you need to read the room and understand these people have a lot on their shoulders and they probably got up a lot earlier than you. They've probably seen video that you don't want to watch. They've probably seen. And that's the realism of, yes, you have sunshine and butterflies that you want to pitch, but sometimes sunshine and butterflies isn't what's going to make it, make it on the cutting room floor for what you're going to see right now. So you, you need to read the room and understand, read the news, take a look, set alerts on your phone and see what's going on in the world. Cause you need to know what you're doing before you send a pitch. I mean, they were pitching on day one of what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. People were pitching cold pitching things that had nothing to do with that to major networks. And my friends were literally, they had lost their cool. They were on Twitter. Like really read the room. Why yeah. are you pitching this? So you know, it's, embarrassing. It, it's funny you say that. And I know you and I, we, we joke about some publicists and we won't say names on the air, but you know, I think the reason reading the room is so important is because a really good publicist understands marketing the same way you saved that full campaign. You stopped a campaign from flopping because it would have flopped in the middle of what's happening. So I agree. And I want to discuss with you, you know, a really good publicist. So if you're listening and you want to get into PR and you want to become a publicist, you know, and, and I've had people approach me, they're like, Oh, can you pitch for me? I'm like, if you just need me to send out emails a few times a week, I'm not your publicist. That's not the kind of publicist I want to be. I want to, I want to make sure I'm head of your marketing. I want to make sure I know what's going on in your marketing. I want to make sure we schedule campaigns accordingly. And if we have to put a stop on a campaign, like you just said, because we're reading the room or the, you know what's going on in the media, we're going to have to do that. So for anyone listening, if you really, really want to be a great, successful publicist or in the media, how important is it, like you just mentioned, to be part of their marketing team or head of as a publicist? You know, that's why most really successful PR companies are PR, marketing, and communications. Like how important is the marketing exactly. aspect? I think marketing, I mean, I have that. That's my background. Uh, that's what I did for the companies I worked out in startup land. I didn't just wear the send out email hat. I wish I did. That would have been great, but I didn't. I had to help the sales team. I had to help the marketing team. I had to put together drip campaigns. I had to help with social media. And I think those are things that people need to look at. Mm -hmm. And we do that. I was just on a call earlier this week with a client and I was like, Hey, and, it, and it, what it did was expose something that was going wrong in their company. They had fixed, they discovered somebody was just earning a paycheck and not doing their job, but they're like, wait a minute. I would, cause I was like, Hey, if you're not sharing your appearances on TV, they last longer, right? Cause you can go on TV. That's cool. It's seven minutes. When are you sharing that again? What gives you the credibility? Where are your articles? Are you sharing those? And this company is a very big active sharing company. When I suggested it, they were like, Oh my goodness, we haven't shared any of that. That's crazy. And I'm like, yeah. And then they were like, well, I had to, you know, dot, dot, dot. I'm running it now. And I was like, Oh, cool. So they like it. If you're in their marketing, they may have a CMO, but I'm very clear when we get on these phone calls, when we have our discovery calls, when we start, it, it's funny, I've had to say this since I was in the Silicon Valley. And usually I look at, used to look across the table at the CMO and go, I'm not trying to take your job. 
That's not my job. I'm an ally to you that I want to ex- show you exposure when, when you're not seeing. Consider me your offensive coordinator. While you run the team as the general manager and you see everything, you have to do the funnels. You've got to do you know, the marketing literature. You got to put together the cool PDFs for the sales team. You've got to do all that. All I want to do is give you exposure to the max degree. And I'm just going to work with you to say, hey, why don't you guys chop up these talking points from your appearance on CNBC and put this out on your social, on your Insta, on your LinkedIn, on your Twitter, you know, put your video up on YouTube. People like this. This is where they'll go see it. Builds your social credibility because this is where people are going to go look. If you go Google a client, you should be able to find them on page one. And the really cool thing is if you've done your job right, it should show up on your YouTube feed too. I know my clients have their appearances, not only on the hot links that come out from their appearances on the networks, but because we have a YouTube channel and it SEOs very well. And they love to see themselves up there because then they're like, we didn't get that video. Can you send that to us? Sure. And then all of a sudden it's up and then it's it's out there even more. And usually they use your video, which is great too, because they'll just take right off your YouTube channel. And you're like, thank you for sending that my way. So always build out, think like a marketer. Like PR is not just PR, it is marketing. Think, how is this going to look on social? How is this going to look in articles? Because people might reference the TV appearance or somebody could write an article off of a TV appearance. Somebody just did that to me for something I said Saturday, Friday night. There was a Yahoo Finance article, a Yahoo Sports article that came out Monday about something I said. Well, they still haven't agreed on it, Major League Baseball, but that happens all the time. So go look for Make sure you're doing your job and you're finding that stuff. Set up those Google alerts. It's free. Google alerts will save your life. So a few things I want to touch up on. So my first question is, you know, there are clients who, if they don't take your marketing direction, they get frustrated because they don't see results. And it's like, you know, if, if and, and me personally, I get not upset, but I guess you could say upset. I get upset when, you know, we don't get the results in media that we want because we didn't take the marketing direction that was needed to bump us into that direction. So to anyone, to any publicist listening, you know, cause I'm sure this happens all the time. Sometimes is it the client is just not taking your direction. It's not, you are not able to get results. Sometimes it's them. And there's, I mean, we have it in our agreement that this is mutual two way street. So you have to listen. Like, we have to listen to you. And I, I'm always big, but I come from the Silicon Valley. So I believe in the, let's try it our way and we'll try it your way. And then wh- whose way wins is usually the right way. True story. That's usually how it happens. Uh, but you have to do that. I mean, it's all. So here, I'll give this. I think everybody will like what I'm going to tell you. It's a long-winded story. I promise it has a bow tie and beauty on the end of it. Uh, last week, somebody that I mentor came to me. It was like, hey, I was told I have 30 days left on my job. I was like, wow. And they said, this person, my boss met this person at a mastermind. Uh, they write for a very large publication. They're, a, they're in PR, supposedly. And I'm not going to name names because that's not nice to do. But this person sells themselves for such a very large amount of money. They'll come into your company and tell you what your media was worth. And I'm like, okay. So this person I've been coaching for over a year mentoring. He's killed it. Just amazing. Just, just so well done. Listens has gone out. And I was like, okay, I go first off. Where's your social? Cause they came up with this. You don't need to do the person came back and told them, and you guys will all love this. 
you don't need to do these small outlets. You only need to do the big ones like Today Show, Good Morning America. And I'm like, that, that's the only show you should be doing? I'm like, wow, that's pretty generous for a brand that's only a couple of years old. Pretty, you know, okay. That's only two random. I was like, okay, well, where did they pull these numbers that you weren't making money? Because you're spending, they're spending $1.2 million on ads. So they're making money. And I said, go pull. And so this is just somebody new to PR that I'm mentoring. I was like, okay, go pull all your numbers from the networks and go, go to your website. And it takes, takes time, right? Because I was like, they wanted to fight for their job. I was going to help. So I said, go pull sales from time that you were on TV that day. Because you could safely say, you could tell what were the sales on that day. And you can attribute most of your sales on that particular day because you'll see this, because that's normal in the PR world. Marketing, again, think like a marketer, be a publicist. Think like a marketer first. That means go into your Google Analytics, go to TV, go to sales, and go, look, we did this. Anyways, they pulled up. On average, they were averaging $35,000 in sales. Every time they appeared on TV, $35,000, $45,000, just crushing it. And so they went back to their boss and they're like, okay, how did this person say that in 18 months we weren't successful when we were averaging $35,000 in appearance? And this is without sharing anything on social. He was sending it to the social team to please send it. They weren't listening because they were like, this isn't what we want to do. We want to show our product, not on TV, not understanding people don't always want to see a brand go, I'm Acme Toy Company, look at my tchotchke because this is really cool. No, they want to see, oh, credibility. You're on TV. It doesn't matter if it's Good Morning America or Fox 5 San Diego, which I just picked on one of the largest, best rated Fox shows on the West Coast. But, you know, a, a smaller, I'll pick on somebody's, I don't know, small TV network in Nebraska. There we go. It doesn't matter. It's still credibility. You're on TV talking right now about your product when your competition is not. And that's what matters because that's where you get the credibility with them not sharing it on marketing, on Instagram, on Facebook and boosting it and running ads, which it's proven when you have a, a commercial product that you can e-com on, you share that stuff because people will buy it and people will buy it because you're sitting on TV. They will. In a heartbeat, people are like, I, I don't care. It's TV. Bye. That's how simple it is. You know, it's funny you mentioned because impressions are everything, right? Media is impressions, like the role of a publicist marketing, it's impressions, right? So I do have a question because I know the podcast industry is, it's been around, but it's making its way into the media. Like it really is, you know? So, you know, I even, you know, if I bring a client on, on a podcast, the impressions sometimes are of like some shows, like, you know, I've, I've had a few, you know, I've had a client on a few and I do big shows all the time, like 50,000, 20,000 per one, per one episode. So any publicist, and I have no shame in my game. I will message the podcast host and be like, how many downloads did my client get? for this episode. Like I need to know my impressions. And it's important you said that because we publicists don't think about that sometimes. Like, and you know, your client can come to you and say, Hey, we only did a few podcasts. Yeah. You did a podcast in over one month. You could have got over 300,000 eyeballs on you. So how do you feel about the podcast, um, you know, worlds stepping into media now? Like, do you think it's the future almost? I love it. It's a, I don't, the future, I think it's already here. So yeah. to me, 
I think it's just another tool in our tool belt as as preferred media. Let's go back. Let's let's keep in mind why we're selling. Like some people have this in a lot of publicists, and you're guilty of it. Don't say you're not. There's a lot. Not you, Jackie, but publicists watching and listening. You're guilty of this. Don't say that you're not because you probably would. Like, I don't want to do radio, and your clients are probably said, I don't want to do radio mm-hmm. in 2022. <laughs> And in 2021 and all before, guess what? The number one most listened to, the most viewed, the most sponsored, the most everything is radio. Let's just face it. That's who it is. The highest paid person on radio until his, I guess, fortunate or unfortunate passing was Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh made more money in those hours that he was on. Now, Sean Hannity takes the cake because he has his radio show. Now, Sean Hannity probably makes over $35 million alone on his radio show. Not what he makes on Fox because he's on three hours uninterrupted. That goes for Bobby Bones. That goes for you name it. Oh, Ryan Seacrest. There's a name we all know. Ryan Seacrest makes more on radio than he does working for ABC. Put that into perspective. Podcasts are, are just as big and are growing. Mm-hmm. We all see, we all know the biggest one in the room, Joe Rogan, right? Rogan is the big dog. But then you have Lewis Howes, you have Jay Shetty, you have Mel Robbins, you have all of the people that we all listen to, whether it's crime, drama, reality, it doesn't matter. Podcasts to me are so important. And we have a great relationship. And I'm going to give a shout out because I'm a military guy, uh, Stars and Stripes. And I've had clients go, why would I go on Stars and Stripes? I didn't serve. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe the fact that they're one of the oldest publications in America to their podcast has a huge listening base because it's all military vets or whatever. It's a trusted source. Stars and Stripes is very trusted for their journalism. And they talk about hot topics. And you should go on because they've got 10 million subscribers. Uh, people, they have you know millions of downloads. People listen to their shows and it gets publication right. You should go do it. So to me, podcasting isn't just a wave of the future. It's something that you should be including when you're telling your clients, We're going to go try to do TV, but here's the thing. And here's the catch. And this is what we do. And I don't care if this, like my team's like, Oh, why did you tell them this secret, Eric? To me, podcasts, radio, they are good when bad things happen in the world. When you can't get on TV, podcast hosts always want new content. They always want something fresh because they're not talking about what's going on in the world today. They may in an episode, but they're not going to do episode after episode because people are going to tune in. Podcasts have to be fresh. They're like daytime TV, right? So they have to move on to different topics. So putting people and booking them out and go, okay, we're going to go all podcasts for the next two weeks. We're going to book them out. I'll deal with the heat. I'll give them the numbers because we only put people on with so many downloads. And you know, we go make sure that their reviews on Apple are real. It's not just like their mom and their cousin and like four relatives like they're Good. Or, or you know, nowadays people could actually buy reviews. That's a whole other thing you could we you and I can discuss offline. Like I've seen some. I don't want to hear. I don't want to know that. That's bad. That's about as bad as people have best-selling Amazon books. After I see them put out a, a newsletter, go like my book. Even if you didn't buy it, you should like it. No, I'm not making you an Amazon bestseller. But I think people need to go do that. I think people need to understand. Publicists need to understand. Radio is hungry. Mm. Radio will put guests on. You know how many radio interviews I do a week? I don't put them on social media just because I do so many of them. <laughs> Excuse me. It's just easier sometimes to do radio. And it's cool because guess what? For radio, all you need is this. Headphones mm. is what I'm holding up in case you're listening. And you need to be able you can go in your closet. Trust me. You know how many interviews I've done at 4.30 in the morning in my closet? closet. 
<laughs> talking to my clothes because it's soundproof and it's dark. So I don't have to be awake. I'm just like, literally I did one this morning before I worked out 445. I was sitting in my closet laying on whatever was on like shoes and like a couple other things. I had a blanket. I was pitch black in there and I was just sitting there. I was like, okay, I have to work out after this, but I'm going to lay here, be all comfortable. That's the great thing. So do radio, encourage your clients to do radio. It gets them practice and it's long form content. And I think that's better in some cases than I want to go do TV. Cause then they'll ask you and come on publicist. You're going to laugh at this one. Well, how long is it? How long is my TV hit? How long is it going to be? I don't Three, four, five, six, seven. I don't know. I don't know how many minutes it is. I'm, well, can you ask them? No, not going to ask a producer. How long do you think this segment's going to be? Because they're going to be like, as long as it fills the space for whatever we have in their commercial time. And, you know, it's interesting because I think, I think as, you know, it happened to you and I, you know, when people say, well, is it guaranteed? You know, like it could change in a blink of an eye. Like I know you and I, we scheduled one of my clients to do mm-hmm. Uh, TV and then like last minute because the news the case got moved around my client and my client was cool with it luckily you know but there are clients who are like oh what I lost a slot and it's like well that's how the media organic real media relationships these days that's how it works like the news something changed something came up last minute and like you said we'll put you in for later, right? And now you know that I have that client. And if you need that type of niche, you'll yeah. be like, hey, we want him. And and he was great. So um yeah. but I think that comes from a lot of people. Excuse me. Well, microphone picks up everything. Uh I I I think a lot of the problem we have, and I see this more than not, and I have to correct people because they'll tell me I could go on so and so show. If I pay them $10,000, I'll go on one time and it's on insert big network. And I'm like, okay, you paid for that. And that airs in the middle of the night. So you're right. You probably could. They don't talk about anything current. And it's some loud person who's on clubhouse or Twitter spaces who spent an absorbent amount of money to have a cool studio and be on a major kind of major network, not even major, major in the middle of the night. You want to pay for that placement? Knock yourself out. That's a that's paid that's paid placement. That's completely different than earned media where you're on during when people are actually watching. Cuz we can pull numbers. The only time I've ever seen overnight numbers very very high uh it wasn't during the last Olympics. No, it was during the beginning of COVID. Uh literally I went on Sean Hannity's time West Coast and I, we pulled like 3.5 million viewers. That was crazy because it was like 1030 at night, West Coast. And when we pulled that, I went back and looked four weeks prior. This is before COVID. And it was like 100,000, which is still pretty good, but not for like national TV, but it was still a high number. And you just have to think like that. That's how you have to think. If you get moved because of breaking news, that's why this is national TV. This Mm -hmm. is why it happens. It doesn't happen a lot. I mean, it's happened a lot. Okay, it's been the same news story now since the 23rd of February is what we're we're dealing with now. Ukraine is the lead story, and it will be. It's a huge story that, but you could take it. Not, I don't want to say take advantage because that's horrible. Because what's going on there isn't a take advantage of. It's you need to be able to craft your story, and it truly tests you as a publicist and trust your client as a client who knows their stuff. 
just like we had to adapt to the pandemic and build our brands and our stories around how the pandemic does. Same thing here. Winston Churchill said it best. It's pretty easy to start a war. It's incredibly hard to finish one. So there is no time frame for when this will end. So guess what? You got to prep for the long haul. You should have already, since two weeks ago, started writing stories based on humanitarian aid, what this means, looking at what the mighty people in Poland are doing and doing their job. And now you saw Romania involved and all these other countries who are providing aid to these millions of people being forced out of their homes. There's a story there. For energy, for fuel, if you represent one of those, you solar power, why it's important, conserving driving with gas prices. I came up with an idea yesterday that maybe we should just stop driving for two weeks and the curve will flatten. But that, I saw that. I wanted to repost it. I was like, that's genius. <laughs> or just like work. I don't know. <laughs> you know. We waited two years off that last two weeks that we were told to do a couple I, years ago. So I don't want just, it to be. You know, and, and I, I I put on my Facebook, I was like, so how about the, uh, how about those gas prices? I always wanted a horse, like invest into a horse, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, it, it is funny, but then again, you bring up a topic and I don't, I don't want to go over on your time here, but you know, it is interesting. And I think it's something that we also have to keep in mind as publicists. And sometimes we have to tell our clients. They look at it and they make it. And sometimes it's humor. And I had to correct a client uh, yesterday. They wrote, I can't believe these gas prices. They're horrible. And I'm like, I can't believe people are being killed uh, who were <laughs> just finished the holidays just a few short weeks ago. Uh, I, I can't believe kids were going to school. and Now they're not. Uh, I'm lucky if my biggest gripe and complaint is having to spend a little bit more on gas. My, my kids went to school today. I can go to the grocery store and no one's shelling me. Mm. No one, no one's killing me for no reason at all for made up reasons. And I think you have to have compassion. I think that's one thing during this time. And if you're listening, something you want your clients to understand why it's so easy to be self-centered and I need to get my, my product across compassion is going to go a lot further and people want that. That's what tugs on the heart for most of us. If you go on Twitter, there's select few who, but they're just, never mind. I can go on a whole nother drive on what those people are, but most people think what's happening is horrible and, and generally believe it, whether they're parents, whether they're just, they're affected by it. We have a large Russian and Ukrainian, you know, folks who've moved over to America and it's horrible what's going on there. And I think as publicists, we have to tell our clients, hey, this is bad. Because some of these folks, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you this way, Jackie. I worked in tech. I know my CEO. All He he only knew coding and what he saw in front of his computer screen. He had no idea. I had to go brief him every morning because he'd be like, we're going to do this. I was like, Jason, <laughs> do you see what? Do you know what's going on? Hold on. <laughs> oh, totally, dude. Totally get it. Like if there was a mass shooting or something, it was like, I don't think that's a good day to do. Oh, that's cool. Let's give it a week. Sometimes you have to. We send out emails. We tell our clients, hey, some of you, you're going to pause for the cause. We're moving. We're pivoting to podcasting for the next two weeks, and we're going to see where we go. Or, and during that two weeks, let's craft a story together, how your product. I mean, if you're in crypto, obviously crypto is performing quite well. When the stock market is taking a horrible dive, crypto is predicted to make a bull run here. That's great. Uh solar. I mean, anything like that. If you have a product that you can send over and help, you should be talking about that. Just craft your stories and see how they tie into it. You know, I love that you brought that up and thank you. Cause I know you and I were talking about this on the phone the other day where, you know, 
we can't even complain. Like I can't complain if I stubbed my toe or I'm late. Like I'd rather be like this morning. I, my son was late to school and normally I would be frustrated, but because of everything you said, when I got to the school and they're like, he's late, I'm like, it happens. Like I had, I was like, this is, this is, you know, it happened. Like, especially with what's going on in the world. And and I, and I'm, I think, you know, that, you know, my, I like to call myself the conscious publicist for those reasons. Like mm-hmm. I'm very aware of what's going on. I try to keep my clients grounded because the number one thing with high level entrepreneurs and CEOs is sometimes their ego does like pop up. And as a good publicist, and if you love the brand and the client, you want to be like, Hey, I love you, but right now we need to do this. So thank you for bringing that. Yeah. I mean, it is tough because I mean, you're going to, you're going to take the, you're going to take the lecture at first. I mean, my daughter watched me have to do it with a client. We were driving up for a college tour and literally I had to make that call with a client and I could tell you their CMO at first was not happy and then said, give me 20 minutes to go research what you're talking about. Cause shockingly had zero idea what I was talking about. And within 20 minutes came back and they're like, Oh my goodness, spoke with the boss lady and she agreed you're right. And then of course, when the 23rd happened, they were like, thank goodness we didn't do that. Cause we literally would have been on the ground. Everything that we had scheduled was getting canceled. And we would have been left alone. So people need to pay. That's why paying attention and put, don't be afraid to tell your clients. I think that's something publicists are afraid to tell their clients bad news. This isn't bad news because this is something they need to be prepared for when they're dancing at the highest levels. This is, I've had people bump because the president of the United States came on. I'm sorry. You can't top that story. That is a great story. Then I heard him use it in another interview, like two weeks later, you know, well, it's, you know, it's fun doing this, but you know, just two weeks ago, the president bumped me. So that's pretty cool. The, the only reason I didn't go on is because the president went on. So people just got to spin it in a positive way. I mean, I just think at the end of the day, just don't be afraid to coach your clients for success. That's our job. It's not just to collect paychecks and put them on TV. We They are part of your team and you're part of their team. At the end of the day, you want to keep producers happy. You want to keep your client happy. And you have to be honest the entire time. And you have to build relationships. Like to anyone listening, like building relationships is the number one thing. Like it is so important, you know, like, yes, you and I, we could talk about work, but you and I could also talk about like real life. And like, it was your son's birthday. And like, I wish him happy birthday. Like, you know, and and you shared that it was your son's, but you know, like, so we get to, like you said earlier, we get to experience each other as people. And, and if you're just taking on a role as a publicist cold pitch, you're going to have that client for a few months and that's it. You're not going to have an actual relationship with your client. You're not going to have a relationship with journalists because you're not even, you know, if the journalist says no, you probably will never speak to them again. You know, and right before we close, I want to make this very important. If someone tells you no, still pay attention. Like I have a list of journalists I love, right? And I know which niche they're in and who to contact with what client, right? I'm still reading their articles just because they told me, no, I'm not going to disregard them. I'm going to be like, okay, so maybe next month they'll write something. I'll be like, hey, I saw you write that. Here's the, you know, here's something, right? You know, this shows the journalists you're still, that you care about their writing, that you care about them as a person, not just, hey, I need you to get me into this publication. I, I love that because it's so true. I had that happen to me over the weekend. Thursday got told no. 
And because we're moving uh, to another state during the summer, I texted him. I was like, hey, we're coming. We are in two weeks. We're going to the to the state. And I was like, hey, we should do dinner. And it's just so funny because neither one of us thinks anything of it. But we've had meals where she's where she's told me she's like, I love working with you because you just get told no and you just move on. And I'm like, because it's part of this job. It's, we're not going to get told. You know how many times I've been bumped seconds from going on air? Like seconds. Like, yo, Eric, something just happened. Cool. I'm actually usually relieved. I'm like, thank God I can go, you know, back into along the, with my dad. Back into laying in the closet. <laughs> I can go back in the closet in the dark. I don't have to be on TV with all the cameras and the lights and standing by and not moving and all that stuff. So yeah, it's it's important. Build the relationships. I think that's the one thing that you and I both why we agree a lot. I think that's the most important, the biggest takeaway from this is build those relationships. There's so many publicists that don't have those. They they just think it's about pitching and it's, it's, what is it? Quantity over quality. Number one, build, build that inner circle. It's okay to only have five people that you pitch to. If they're the ones taking care of you and you built that relationship, it starts with five, expands to 10, move it out. Start in pairs of five, start in pairs of twos, start with one. Trust me, one TV placement is beautiful. Build out whatever gets you that relationship, work on it and do it and do it over and over again and be genuine. Don't, just, Gen- I, I think that's genuine. Being genuine is the most important thing when you're working because they see through it. They're human. I think that's what so many people forget about. Yeah. Producers, editors, writers, they're like us. They, their ice belts in their cup, just like yours and ice does. So do the same thing. Treat them like you would treat yourself. I love that. Be genuine. If there's one takeaway you could learn in media is just be genuine personalize your pitches and be genuine. Eric, I always love to ask my guests before I close, what is something you would tell the younger version of yourself? (laughs) Oh, wow. The younger version of me, there's so much we would have a discussion. Uh, It would be a very long one, but probably the most important thing I would tell myself is stay focused. My younger self is stay focused. Don't take your eyes off the prize. You're going to have a lot of challenges they're going to beat you and it's going to hurt, but don't lose focus. Stay, stay focused. Cause there was a time where things happened where I became unfocused and kind of just was like a nomad and it didn't help. So stay focused because it's there. I could have got to my journey sooner if I would stay focused. I love that. Eric, where can everybody find you on social media? I'm easy to find, find me at Eric L Mitchell all over everything on social. And I forget what it is. Just look up Eric Mitchell on TikTok and I'm on there. That's the only one that's not Eric L Mitchell. Somebody took that, but everywhere else on social, I'm Eric L Mitchell. I love that. I love that. Well, Eric, thank you again so much for coming on to this show. Thank you for having me.